and farming was a piece of that for me. Like farming, I felt like it was like creating something beautiful. And, and it was so real, like farming is so real, everything about it, like you touch it with your hands, you plant the seed, it grows, you care for it as it grows, you harvest it, you, know, you eat it. And yeah, just I like the realness of farming. Welcome to the Tangle Taproot, where we explore the unique stories of small scale farmers in the Midwest. I'm John Cowan. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Angel. And this is a production of Milk and Hummus. What is milk and hummus? Well, we make flavorful hummus and ready-to-drink plant-based lattes that focus on locally sourced ingredients, sustainable packaging, and the humble chickpea. But before we get going today, we first want to introduce you to our new co-host, Angel. It's so nice to have you on. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So a little bit about me. As said, my name is Angel. For the most part, I'm a writer and researcher, but for my side interests, I'm really interested in gardening, farming, and food sovereignty. I grew up tending to a community garden with my best friend's aunt and spent my time volunteering at farms interested in providing food to certain communities that are located in food deserts. One of the farms that I volunteered at was New Roots Urban Farms, which we mentioned today. I really enjoyed volunteering for them just because of their background and their interests and how much they help the community. That's exciting. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Totally did not know that you were actually doing some volunteer work with, uh, with New Roots Urban Farm. That's really cool. In this episode today, we're actually talking with Mary Densmore of Be Simple City Farm. It's a farm that's located about a mile outside of downtown St. Louis in North County. And they're specializing in a number of products, including wildflower honey, of course, microgreens, herbs, some edible flowers, and uh, other products made yeah. from the bees. So. Soaps and chapsticks and salves and various other skin and body care products. It's a really quite the nice selection. Yeah, and these, uh, these microgreens are so good and diverse, uniquely flavorful. I think there's like over 30 varieties that they've gone through, something on yeah, that scale. Yeah, from three at the get-go to 30 now. That's quite the rotation. And they, they really pack a nutrient-dense punch, um, and you could just toss them in anything, in salads and sandwiches and I don't know, I don't know, smoothies. Unlimited yeah, possibilities, yeah. right? Yeah, it's really good. It's always fascinating to see how much travel can change your perspective, really cause a fork in the road for your future. You're witnessing different cultures, ways of living, tasting new foods. It can all really heavily influence your outlook. And uh, I can't, can't recommend it enough. For Mary, volunteering in Nicaragua was just that. It was a pivotal moment, really a start of something new. And a quote from the late Anthony Bourdain really describes it well. Travel changes you. As you move through this life, this world changes things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Well said, Anthony. He always knows what to say. Angela, I don't know, have, have, you, have you experienced travel impacts in your life? I'm trying to think. I feel as though what I really appreciate about traveling, whether domestically or internationally, is how it introduces me to different cultures. Even just crossing state lines, I've noticed there are different ways of living. Um, for me personally, as a person who spent a lot of time on the East Coast and between Nigeria, moving to St. Louis was a culture shock for me. And I think I really 
learned how community-based a place like St. Louis is. Here was like, for example, where I got to volunteer, like I mentioned earlier, at New Roots Urban Farm. And I really got to see so many people invested in uh, helping the community at large. And I don't think I got to experience that on the East Coast as much, um, just being that it's a different place. Um, Everything was like within maybe just our particular neighborhoods. But here, it really does feel like everyone's invested in the city at large and giving back to the community to their fullest extent. Sure. I mean, I noticed that moving to St. Louis, there's how many different neighborhoods and each neighborhood has its own, I guess, different of different vibe and and especially different culture influences world foods and i think it's you know we're really lucky to have that and it's it's much much more personal i think as as you mentioned i agree i think each neighborhood kind of has its own very dynamic fingerprint and kind of its own little characteristic profile and that's one thing that attracted me to st louis back when i was looking to move it just seemed a little bit easier to dive in and yeah kind of uh, welcoming yeah you got to get out there by any means yeah and i think also just being in, in a position to be in another country where no one speaks english or if they speak english it's you know very small amounts I think that really steps up the, your ability to have to read facial expressions, really try to listen to everything that you're, that you're given. And just, uh, yeah, I think it could be pretty, pretty impactful. Like one thing that I always think about with travel, and especially if there is a language barrier like that, is that one way that we all know how to communicate is through our facial expressions, right? smiles, etc. But also through our food. And I really, really like that food is a community-based, beautiful thing that can occur and probably something that Mary got to experience like while she was in Nicaragua and just an easy way to communicate with somebody when you maybe don't know the same language or dialect as somebody there. That's always kind of a fun thing to think about the, the international, like the boundlessness of food. People get to eat that and experience that wherever they are. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was very apt to include an Anthony Bourdain quote because of that, Um, just to know that he experienced so much um, culture through food. I always like to think as food as a sort of part of myself or part of people in which we are able, like you said, Kristen, to learn a little bit more about a person, their culture, their community. I think food is very like you said, also boundless in that way. It opens up a lot of opportunity and I appreciate that. I was really interested in the bees to microgreen pipeline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so interesting. And I also, as a person who just like recently got into microgreens, it was so exciting to hear someone talk about it. I'm someone who is so knowledgeable about microgreens talk about it because they are really um, packed with a lot of nutrients, very nutrient-dense um, foods. And I remember trying it for the first time. I was really excited. I went to like this... Um, local market and there were microgreens that were being sold. And I remember like trying each different plant and being like so shocked at how different each of them tasted. And then to just know that, yeah, you're just getting so many nutrients from them, I think is really special that like such a tiny thing can provide you with so much. Yeah. Kind of makes me think about the magical part of a seed, like because seeds can be so small and just like how intense, like of a powerhouse of like energy and interesting specific phytonutrients each little seed has. And then we're getting it when it's like first, like, you know, 
or seen forth, it's like, ooh, yeah, give me some of that energy and some of that good stuff out of the seed. And not only that, which is the different, the main difference between between sprouts and microgreens yeah. is that soil element and sunlight, you know, so it's not just germinating, sprouting, but it's actually in the soil, drawing in that nutrients, drawing up that nutrients, and then, you know, getting to... Like rooting yeah. a bit, and also and then foliage, harvested, right? I guess, what we enjoy eating so much. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm like, love going to, let's say, the, the Targo Farmer's Market. You see all these different baskets out of the different varieties. I think last week I tried some squash sprouts, which are like these really hearty, thick-leaved sprouts, and then also some of the, the popcorn yeah, it's, it's popcorn sprouts, which are really... We love the popcorn sprouts. They're so crazy sweet. It's like candy. Yeah. Take your kids to Tower Grove immediately for the farmer's market and get them some sweet corn sprouts or popcorn sprouts. Right. And there's, there's a number of microgreens that are mentioned in this interview, so I don't want to give them away, but there's some really exciting combinations that will be described between the actual seed and then the, the the plant as well, which is which is fun. Different flavor profiles, which, yeah. which makes for a really unique addition to your food. Mm-hmm. Can almost be a little bit cross-cultural with some of those flavors, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah, that's definitely something I learned and then taking away from this interview. And like you were saying, the difference between sprouts and microgreens, that was a huge defining thing that I did not know the difference. From. So I've been using incorrect terminology for many years. Shame on me. But that is something that Mary clears up in the interview. Also, one thing that you all will get to learn today when you're listening to the interview is about all of the delightful edible flowers that she's got going on. Yes, yes. They are they are beautiful. And they say you eat with your eyes first, right? You know, so if they're colorful and multi-toned and textured. It's a lovely addition on top of anything, makes the salad more exciting in the summertime or even to float atop a soup in the fall. It's really unlimited and it's just a fun side project. You know, it's this whole garnish realm, ways to beautify your food. And it combines really well with their original main business product or or business. Did you uh, say business? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yes, they are. uh, I should say Mary is a advanced beekeeper. I would say advanced. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, knows quite a bit. Don't want to give everything away on this, but uh, pretty cool what what she does. Right. Yeah, that's right. You're not just going to learn about microgreens, folks. You will be be with the bees for a bit. (laughs) That's the buzzword, y'all. You'll learn about it in the interview, but holy cannoli, 30,000 bees in one hive, I believe, is the number. That is hard for me to think about. Yeah, it's really difficult to conceptualize. Also, just knowing how many bees it takes to like make a single, what was it? Like a teaspoon? Yeah, a A tiny spoon. Wow. What a community effort. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just like St. Louis. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a little cliche, busy as a bee, but that's really where it gets its its name from. I mean, they are industrious little little Mm -hmm. critters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. And with that, let's go to our interview with Mary of Be Simple City Farm. Yeah, my name is Mary Densmore. Mary, thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having us out to your Be Simple Farm. Urban Farm. Yeah, thanks for coming. Beautiful space. Thank you. 
Would you uh, want to tell us a little bit of how you came to be? How'd you get to where you are today? Like, why urban farming or why microgreens? I mean, a lot. A lot of questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. We're starting out big. Okay, sure. Gosh, let's see. Well, James and I met each other, actually, when we were both volunteers in Nicaragua. We were in Managua, Nicaragua, and spent two years there. And we worked during the day at different sites. And I had been to visit the place where he worked. It was actually outside of the, like, big city, Managua. And it was in, like, a rural place, and they had lots of farms and stuff there. I grew up, actually, in a place called Marietta, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta, and it's more like a suburb. So a lot of my, like, background, I always loved nature, always loved being outside. But it was more just like a suburban yard with, like, some landscaping and grass. And that was, like, pretty much all I was exposed to. But then when I was in Nicaragua, I got to see some uh, farms and see how people did farming there. And there was no, like, concept of urban farming necessarily. It was just, like, everyone who had a backyard had, like, a mango tree or some melons growing out of pots or just herbs everywhere. It was just kind of like more a part of life and the way that they lived. And that was a little bit my first exposure to it. And then I moved to St. Louis in April of 2009 after returning back from Nicaragua. And we came here and got connected with New Roots Urban Farm. And New Roots Urban Farm is a beautiful, big uh, urban farm. And at the time we were growing vegetables and doing some kind of like social projects and education stuff. And I was a part of that project for almost a little bit over 10 years, worked with New Roots, and I was teaching part-time as a PE teacher and then working at New Roots as like a volunteer part-time. And eventually I just like love farming so much and I kept trying to figure out like, how can I make this a job? How can I make this a thing? Like, and I knew that I was, I was kind of at that point where I was like, okay, am I going to really dig in with teaching? Or am I going to try something else? And I kind of was sort of was like, well, I think this is my chance to just try something else. So I was still working and volunteering. New Roots was a project that at the time that just we didn't receive grants or anything like that. So it was mostly just like we were growing vegetables. We were selling some of them. We were selling some of them, giving some of them away, but mostly just keeping the costs down that we were just like breaking even. There was no like paid labor involved. And I was kind of looking like, how could I get paid and farm and still live where I live in the city? And I talked at a panel at Wash U with um, this woman. Her name was Veronica. She used to do the goat cheese from with Beijing Farms. And she said something. The panel was really fun for me because I felt like it was more just like this discussion between the two of us. And one of the things she said that really stuck out to me was she defined farming as farming is making the best out of what you have. And so I kind of like looked at that. I, I mean, like that really like stuck with me. And as I was like trying to figure out how to be a farmer, like professionally, I guess, or a paid farmer rather, I thought about microgreens. And I started out really small, just doing like very few microgreens. And our buddies with Urban Buds and I, we shared a booth. It was Urban Buds, us, and and one other farmer named our our farm, I think she's not Jerry was her name. An urban farm, urban buds is a flower, primarily a flower. Uh, yeah, farm. Mm-hmm. And we all were we were able to share a booth because it's almost like hard to remember now because 
it, we were able to share a booth because we were all producing so little. We just were starting out with like, let's give this a try. I was using a much smaller greenhouse that was based in New Roots. And for my first two years, and I was only growing maybe like three kinds of microgreens and just figuring out how to do it. And then eventually my third year of uh, doing the microgreens, I got this greenhouse, this much bigger greenhouse. And then I, then I was able to really ramp up production. And as I ramped up production, I was able to try different varieties and I was able to try different ways of growing. And I just like learned a ton in those early years for sure. So, I mean, it sounds like in the beginning, you were interested in helping society. I mean, you were a volunteer in Nicaragua and your focus was helping the communities locally there. And by doing that, you saw you know, the, the unique quote unquote urban farm or, or sustainable farming type from a, from a backyard perspective. And when you came back to St. Louis, you continued that, that trajectory of volunteerism. And you really also understood that you wanted to have farming as a, as a, as an occupation. Is that, is that sort of what you expressed so far? Yeah, I would say, I wouldn't quite call it volunteerism. I think like a lot of my experience in Nicaragua almost like radicalized me and giving me like a social justice lens of like why there were so many problems of the world. Or I think I like, I was pretty shaken up by my experience in Nicaragua to see just like how people lived. And on one hand, it was like a really heartbreaking life because it felt like they had so little resources that I was just used to. But on the other hand, it was this like really beautiful life that it was kind of just like both sides. It was just like really hard, but I was able to see the beauty in it. And it was it was confusing for me, I think, with like my like suburban upround. And I think I came back sort of seeking like to make sense of it all. Eventually, I think I realized like it didn't make sense. And like we live in just an unjust society. <laughs> and like I think I was able to be like, oh, actually, none of this makes sense. And I'm making so many mistakes, even as I'm trying to, like, do good in the world or whatever we say, you know, that, like, I, I think I kind of realized, like, I a little bit I had to figure out, like, what is it that brings me alive and what do I like doing and that I can, like, contribute wider to the world, but also, like, yeah, but also try to, like, shift things so that way we're not living in such a, an oppressive place, I sure. guess. okay. I don't, I don't mean that to sound, like, d discouraging or something. yeah. And farming was a piece of that for me. Like farming, I felt like it was like creating something beautiful. And, and it was so real. Like farming is so real. Everything about it, like you touch it with your hands, you plant the seed, it grows, you care for it as it grows, you harvest it, and you eat it. And yeah, just I like the realness of farming. And the start uh, to finish completion, like a sense of completing like a task and then having something kind of beautiful and nourishing, you know, right? Like you're seeing it from infancy, seed growth, yielding something green, and it provides nutrition and it's beautiful to look at. So, I mean, to me, that sounds like a very fulfilling thing, right? And I, I can kind of see how that would tie back to the inspiring scenes of some of the backyards in Nicaragua, where everybody's just making the best use of the space they've got, making it tasty, getting edible things out of a little bit of yard and you're with your plot here, which isn't micro sized by any means, but really, I guess in, in farm world, it could be considered a micro plot. And just looking at all the vast varieties of things you have going on here, I think it's inspiring and colorful and beautiful. 
So I can kind of feel like I sense your translation from from the past and what you're getting out of it. Thanks. Feels fulfilling. Yeah. 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 Mostly it is. Yeah. Sometimes I do wish that I was like farming on a bigger scale or doing something a little larger, but also I've lived here now. It's actually 10 years since I've lived in this building and I've lived in the neighborhood surrounding area for like four years before that. So I have a long history here that like, as I've thought about like, oh, it'd be great to like, you know, do this or that, or I, especially in recent years, we're like, should we try something different or whatever? But we keep coming back to like, nah, actually this is great. And we're just enjoying it now. So we're just going to keep keep enjoying it while we are. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a gem and a unique scenario to be able to be a farmer in an urban setting. So I think that's, yeah, that's pretty cool that you're, you've been able to harness that and continue doing this successfully and growing. That's right. And so you landed on microgreens, starting with three. And what were those varieties? They were sunflower microgreens, pea shoots. And actually, it wasn't quite three. It was always like a third that I was experimenting with. Mm. So I still like arugula, radish, and broccoli were the other first. Is there a reason for the pea shoots and the sunflowers to start? You know, pea shoots, sunflowers, and broccoli, I would add also, are the three that I think get the most like press and like media and research for microgreens. I actually think that all microgreens are super nutrient dense and that probably like the variabilities or the levels of micronutrients that are in them are pretty similar or, or or they're maybe slightly different, but like very compatible with each other. But those three are known for just being super nutrient dense, really hearty, lots of like phytonutrients and the sunflowers, especially when it came to New Roots Urban Farm back in 2009, they were growing sunflower microgreens. So I had, I learned and had seen the process from them, but they're quite tedious to actually grow and harvest if you've ever. Because of the, the shells? Because of the shells. Yeah, it's very easy to burn yourself out of them. Luckily, I am a very, uh, what would I say, like detail-oriented person. And also, like, I had so much, so much repetition. So much of the work is, like, so repetitive that I was able to come up with some pretty good systems for doing it at the quantity I've been doing it. But starting out, it was very, like, how do we do this? What? Literally, it would take me, I would be up until, like, 11 o'clock before markets, like, hand-picking out, like, sunflower shells from like a pile of microgreens. Yeah, which is kind of funny to look back at because we're much better at it now, but yeah. So nutrients aside, sunflower sprouts taste amazing. Yeah, they're they're like crunchy. They taste kind of like nutty mm-hmm. sunflower seed. I love giving people samples of them. I really love getting kids to try them for the first time because it's kind of, if you haven't had it, it's kind of unlike anything you've ever tasted. One time we had like a group of kids at the farm and I was having them, I was passing out the sunflower greens so they could taste them. And one of them was like, are these fries? And I was like, no, these are not fries. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was great that like yeah. you would even think that. Or maybe that was just like the most comparable thing to, yeah. the, to the green was just a fry, like crunchy. crunchy and linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of times people's uh, first introduction to you, microgreens would probably be alfalfa sprouts on like a sandwich. Maybe I think Jimmy John's used to have uh, a sandwich with sprouts and they no longer do that. And I remember like my first intro to sprouts was like through a, a survival magazine or something. And it's like, you know, get a glass jar, put some seeds and then hydrate and you can have these like alfalfa sprouts, but definitely more of a texture thing with those. 
with alfalfa rather than anything. Yeah, there's actually a difference between sprouts and microgreens. So what you were just saying oh, was sprouts. Oh, yeah. My bad, yes. Yeah, yeah. no, that's okay. I that's don't, so not, interesting to distinguish because I've done the jar thing like at home. But, so that's yeah. just called kind of like sprouting. sprouts. Yeah, okay. that would just be sprouts. And um, sprouts are just grown like in water and in the dark. Mm-hmm. Actually, most of the time you want to keep it dark. Oh. And and they're really quick. I mean, with alfalfa, I feel like it's like a number of days or something like that. Yeah, with microgreens, they're a little longer, and I grow all my microgreens in soil with sunlight. So kind of, it's but it's very similar to sprouts is like you're harnessing all those nutrients from like the beginning stages of the seed. But um, microgreens are actually much safer to consume because there's no risk of like any sort of bacteria, anything versus like sprouts. You, you kind of got to be careful that like sure. no, nothing funky is mm-hmm. growing in there. Like but because of the very watery environment, is that the Yeah, both the, like the water and the heat and the darkness is like creates perfect sure. environment for like bacteria or something mm-hmm. to grow. But we're able to not, not really have to deal with that or worry about that because of the light and the soil and the air movement and all the things that we have going in the greenhouse. So then the the composition of your 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 soil that you use or your um yeah that has to be pretty pretty important for your process or or is it? Yeah, I mean there's a bunch of different ways to grow microgreens. Sometimes people will try growing them hydroponically and something like that, but yeah, no, we do all ours in soil because that's kind of like how we pull in the sustainable piece is um we grow them in soil, and then we're, we, after after the microgreens are done growing, we are able to reuse that soil and allow worms to break it down. We essentially have like three different worm piles in various stages going, and the worms sort of break down the soil and add nutrients back into the soil for then us to be able to keep using that to grow in. Nice. Yeah. Good old-fashioned vermicomposting. Yeah, plus, exactly. Love it. And, and it is, it does just adds to the nutrient density right. of the yeah. Yeah, greens also. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool to know. Yeah. Like the foundation of uh, where your microgreens are coming from. Cool. Can you talk a little bit about, um, so I vaguely know like microgreens are good for us. We're getting some sort of boost from the phytonutrient density in this this little guy what are what is like a benefit of phytonutrients like is it I don't know I was just curious I is it like a does it help with our neurosystems does it help with like our immune systems or where do those phytonutrients like translate into benefits I if if you know I I wish I knew a lot more about it but I do know from from like the limited that I do know is that like phytonutrients basically exist in any living plant that has nutrients, you know, any of the vegetables or anything green that we would eat. And in microgreens, there's just a lot more of them. So you're able, microgreens are able to just kind of like give you like a bigger boost um, than, than eating like an adult version of the plant or whatever. I would say different microgreen varieties are like well known for other things like some of them like the red cabbage for example is like known for having a a lot of antioxidants for the red cabbage yeah it does have a lot of antioxidants but it's also really known for like a lowers inflammation and things like that 
the broccoli ones are the ones that are like supposed to be really like cancer fighting. And a lot of people who are like battling with cancer at all will really consume a lot of micro or broccoli microgreens. And some of them, yeah, some of them like the sunflowers have protein, which are great for people who are like vegetarian or vegan, just trying to find sources of protein. Yeah. So really they kind of just like give you that extra boost. And I wish I knew if it was like neurological or where exactly that goes, but it's magic. Yeah. It's magic. Um, so it's really like the baby is like, it's just a constant, you're getting a super concentrated, like, yeah. versus like a whole mustard green plant. You could have like mustard green, That's right. little tufts, and you're like getting a nice dose. And not stuff. only is it super concentrated, but also our body is able to like absorb all the micro, the nutrients. Sometimes if we eat like a plant that's like a little bit more fibrous, like if you could imagine like adult kale or something like that, it's like kind of a little tougher, like your body might, you, like as you eat that, you're going to like get nutrients from it, but maybe not as many as you could because your body has to work kind of hard to break it down also. But the nutrients are, or the microgreens are like nice and delicate and our body, as we consume them, our body's able to like digest it all and take in all that good stuff. Sounds good to me. And that makes sense yeah. too. Yeah. So if, with the three microgreens that you started with, was it instantly successful in terms of like a, like a business sustainability level or did you have to make a bunch of iterations to your process? Well, actually, it's always funny. Like for me, it was really funny starting this business because I didn't actually, I wasn't like, I'm going to start Be Simple and become a microgreen farm. I actually started because I really love bees and bees Ooh. are really fascinating for me. And I had been beekeeping for like a few years prior to starting. When I came back from Nicaragua, I, I visited a bee farm that was there and I came back and was like super inspired by it actually. And I was telling my mom about it and my mom was like, oh, I should start keeping bees, which, which I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't telling her to like inspire her to do it, nor had, nor like I went and looked and I wasn't like, I should go do that. I also didn't think that. But then when I told her and she was like, oh, I should do bees. And my mom is actually a marine biologist. So she's really like scientific. And she was like, wow, this is fascinating. And she like learned all, of course, she like studied all of it and like learned all about it and like started keeping bees. And then she kind of then was like, Mary, you and James should keep bees. And I was just like, oh, I don't know, like blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, okay, yeah, let's try it. And so she was able to kind of like support us in getting going. And she kind of approaches it more from like the like science, like interested about it, wants to think about the like epigenetics of the queens and raise the queens. I'm not thinking about any of that. I was more just thought they were fascinating and fun. And like, it's thrilling to like open up a beehive and have bees, you know, flying all around you and to stay calm and to look at it and know what's happening and see kind of the like inner workings of the hive, like kind of like the, even like the dynamics of all the bees. That was the part that was really fascinating for me. So we started keeping bees like a few years prior to starting Be Simple we started Be Simple in like the winter on like, it was like a snowy February day in 2014. And we like, I kind of have been talking about it and talking about it. And like, I think we just both happened to be home at some point because of the snow. And I was telling James how I wanted to do this and whatever. And he's like, yeah, you should totally do it. And he's like, huh, let me just see. How do you start a business or something? Sure. And we just like, you know, <laughs> went online. And then it was like, kind of just like all took off from there. So the idea was like, ooh, maybe we can do something with bees. And that's just why I called it Be Simple. And and it was, so I started with thinking like the bees and the honey and I make soap with the beeswax product or with the beeswax from the bees 
and honey. I put some honey in the soap and then other like things like lip balm and lotions and things like that where I could utilize the beeswax. So I was kind of thinking like, wouldn't that be fun? And then we were like, oh, and then let's grow microgreens also because like add to the mix, you know. But it is funny how like over time, so I started, you know, growing microgreens and then I just kind of got better at it and then got this bigger greenhouse and it all just kind of like came together. And I would say there was like demand for microgreens in St. Louis. There had been um, some people who had done them, but like it didn't seem like there was a ton and um, it was still kind of now microgreens, I think, are a lot more known. But like back like almost 10, nine years ago, it wasn't they weren't as popular in the mix. So so, yeah. So then the microgreens really took off. And then from the microgreens, then I added edible flowers and just like fresh cut herbs. So I started with those three varieties of microgreens and then like slowly added more. And it's kind of funny. Most of what I learned about microgreens I've learned from watching like YouTube videos or there's like a Facebook group that I'm a part of that in the Facebook group has been really awesome to like get questions answered and to try different ways and sort of see the different setups that people use. And yeah, that's been a, it's been a great resource for me. So on the snowy February day, did you, so you're researching businesses, did you like order a bee hive like that night like did you order a queen bee like how did that work no, I already had bees <laughs> okay you point. already had them yeah. rolling mm-hmm. yeah and it was interesting all of the stuff that we like incorporated in it to be simple were things that we were already doing ourselves already and it was more just like can we scale it up okay like I was sure. already growing like a tiny bit of microgreens for us yeah. you know and making soap for our house like and for gifts and stuff like that but yeah it was more just like scaling up of things that we like that like, you know, I was already doing and that enjoy, that I enjoyed doing. Was James doing like a different job like before he started being more involved with Be Simple? Yeah, pretty much James has always kind of like dabbled in other things or worked some bits of other things. At that time, yeah, he was working another job, which was helped, was supportive of me starting because we, like I said, we started with just selling at Farmer's Market, like a tiny bit amount in this in space. And I was also working doing garden and farm stuff at a school in addition to Be Simple, like in the early days, for sure. After I had left being the PE teacher, I kind of switched over to doing some garden education stuff. I wish there was more of that in schools. That seems like that should be a hardcore mandatory thing because there's so much beautiful kind of obvious learning that can occur through gardening and teamwork and just seeing, like I said, the, or you said also like the seed, growth, end product, a a plant or something to eat, you know, like it's very gratifying, I think, and kind of mind boggling for a child to see if you're not growing up around a garden, especially. It's uh, very enlightening. Yeah, for me too, like the like cooking, I was never like super into cooking, I guess, before I started farming and growing vegetables and stuff. And then like now that I do, I'm like, oh, I like love, like it's so fun to learn how to cook new things and try new things and like eat really good food. Like I like, I'm kind of like an accidental foodie. Like <laughs> I just like started doing it. And now I'm like, oh, I really like this. And uh, yeah, so gratifying. Yeah. Oh, I had a question with the winter time in the Midwest. It can be a little oppressive, just like our summers, I guess. But I'm thinking about the plants and the microgreens and the greenhouse. Like, how do you handle wintertime temperatures and keep your microgreens, your supply happy? Because you don't just stop in the wintertime. I know that. Yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of, uh, yeah, the winters are really 
it, in the summers are really intense. Actually, for us, because we do grow in a greenhouse and experience such humidity in the summertime, it's actually more intense and it's really uh, difficult and challenging to grow microgreens in the summer for us than it is in the winter. In the wintertime, we're able to kind of compensate in like a variety of ways. Like the first way is in the wintertime, I only grow varieties of microgreens that are kind of like hardy or cold hardy. I try to grow, you know, probably at any time I'm growing between 20 and 30 different varieties. And in the summertime, yeah, I can grow much more, I don't know, different things. Like this summer we're growing like cantaloupe and popcorn is like a really popular summer one or like basil and like different bean uh, microgreens are kind of fun in the summer. But then in the wintertime, I kind of just stick with like pea shoots and like a hardy radish or a daikon radish. Broccoli grows good in the wintertime, kind of things like that that are going to hold up really well. But then we do also heat the greenhouse. So we heat the greenhouse and I set up like a space that's just for germination because I feel like so much of my job as a microgreen farmer is like germinating. Like I have to give you really good at germination because I want to get basically every seed that I plant, I want that seed to germinate to then become a microgreen. So I set up like a germination chamber space that I that I keep at like a regulated humidity and temperature. And then once I get the greens germinated sufficiently, then they can go into like the wider space in the greenhouse that I also heat, but I don't have to keep that space as warm. I basically just like keep it above, you know, I try to keep it in the like above 40, but sometimes it gets a lot less than that because it's really inefficient to heat a greenhouse. You know, it's not like insulated or anything. So it can be quite challenging. But I was really pleased that uh, like this past winter, it was like over Christmas when it was like very cold, like, uh, oh my gosh, like in the negatives, um, that I was actually visiting my family in Atlanta while we were gone. And I had this like app on my phone that tells me the greenhouse temperature. And I was kind of like, I was like obsessively checking it until then it died. And like, I like couldn't check it anymore. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to enjoy this time. And I got home and I came home and like, actually the heat in the way that I had to had it set was set sufficiently. And like, it definitely did get below freezing in the greenhouse because I think the heat, the heaters were working so much and like it just couldn't quite cut it. But it got below freezing and all the microgreens survived. So, and I think I attribute that to just the different varieties that I grew and yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And definitely a variety of microgreens that you mentioned that a lot of folks probably have never been in, you know, we've been exposed to. You mentioned cantaloupe, you mentioned popcorn, basil. I mean, those are some unique flavors. What would be your favorite? If you, if you could pick. Oh, out of the unique ones? I don't know. Gosh, that's a tough one. I would say like pretty much my favorite microgreen is sunflower just because I love it. And I, I think I, I don't know, there's just so many good things about it. But I would say out of like something maybe more unique, I really like the cilantro mm. because the cilantro microgreen often has like this seed shell like attached to it still. It's like kind of hangs on a little bit more than the rest of them. But actually, the seed shell is coriander. So by yeah. eating a cilantro microgreen, you actually get coriander and cilantro flavor. And something about the cilantro flavor is so much brighter than just like the like older, longer adult version of cilantro that the cilantro microgreen is really fantastic. Yeah, it's something that I, I often forget is that coriander seed, cilantro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> one, of the, one of the same... Um, well, not same flavor, but same plants. plants. Yeah, same plant. Yeah. yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah, yeah. 
different Melania. flavors, but like both flavors that we like can utilize to make yeah. these taste good. And it just makes me think of a lot of different cultural culinary things too, uh-huh. you know, like it's more distinguished in, you know, Mexican or Hispanic cookie. And then I'm also thinking like Indian food and yeah. coriander and it's fun to think about that one plant. Wow. Like mm-hmm. lots and it's of flavor dynamic. Like a lot of wheat, wheat, summer wheat beers, the yeah. coriander seed, oh, right. you know, like coriander, orange peel and... Yeah, I, I started growing fenugreek microgreens also, which is like a really powerful like flavor and smell. And like I I wasn't really exposed to it much or knew how to cook it because it's mostly used in like Indian cooking. Right. But it's a really fun microgreen. And I found out that it's like really good for lactation for like people that are lactating to like help boost that. Boost awesome. production. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine what a fenugreek microgreen would taste like because I've only used... The dry spice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it tastes kind of like a alfalfa a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how many microgreens are you up to in your your collection, I guess? I don't know, like an exact number, but probably at least 30. And not all at one time, sure. but yeah, of different ones that I've tried for sure. 30. Wow. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's fun. How or uh, where do you source your uh, seeds? Mostly, uh, so I've done lots of scouring because like seeds for me is kind of a big deal. Like I have to, I want to buy really good quality ones that definitely will germinate. But also, they're very expensive. And my seed bill is just insane in like the very large <laughs> of seed I have to buy. So I've tried definitely different places throughout the years on the internet. But most recently where I've landed is with uh, this one. I I was buying from this one company called Kitazawa, which is like, is based in like Oakland, California. And they they offer most like, like unique, like Asian varieties of seeds and sell in bulk the other ones that I was looking for. So like wasabi and like a different, like a couple of different types of mustard greens I was able to get through them. But then they were since acquired by like a seed company called True Leaf, which is like kind of like a, a lot of commercial growers of microgreens grow True Leaf and their microgreens are pretty good. And they or, they offer a bunch of different organic varieties and they're good. Neat. I'm sure. I mean, that's kind of like the base of it all. So I, yeah, seeds would be kind of a critical thing to seek out and source and a significant cost. So. <laughs> yeah. But luckily they're good seeds, so they grow well in it. Um, so we're sitting here enjoying this shade and these beautiful sights and a lot of green scenery. For our listeners, can you kind of describe a little bit of the array and variety of plants and other various green things that you grow here? Because we know that you do some fresh herb offerings and some of those things get incorporated into your soaps and salves and balms, but also you sell little fresh bundles sometimes, like I like to grab at the farmer's market because sometimes you got herbs that I don't have. So just tell us a little bit about what else you have here. Yeah, sure. Well, we live in a building, it's a, it, it's actually a four family. So we live on the north side of the building and have the two, of, like the two of the apartments, I guess, out of the four. And then on the south side of the building is like the lot, like our like yard is the like a, we call that a side lot, I guess, like an extra lot on the side. And where we have a pretty big garden that has pretty diverse variety of both native plants, but also like the annual plants. And luckily, the other two people that live in our building are wonderful gardeners also. So our yard gets to really come alive and be something that we do together. We each kind of have like our little spots where we take care of and we try things out with and it's fun. 
But so the things, a lot of the things that I'm growing in our yard this year, in addition to what's growing in the greenhouse, is edible flowers. So I have like a big patch of uh, violas that are called like Johnny Jump Ups. And there's like literally each week we're getting like in the thousands in terms of amounts of flowers. Wow. And uh, of just that variety of flowers. And then we have some deanthus and Right now, like the elderberries blooming and we have some of the like yucca flowers that are also edible. There's a bunch of lilies that we'll have that are edible flowers also. And then marigolds and nasturtiums. And then then just other stuff like, yeah, I do like I have like a big patch of cilantro, a big patch of dill, a big patch of parsley, a big patch of basil that are all sell as like cutting herbs for the market. And then we just have a really big vegetable garden for our family because we really love to eat vegetables. So tons of tomatoes and peppers and okra is something we really like. Garlic, something we use a lot. And then like peas and cucumbers and just melons, other stuff. We got some fruit trees like a gooseberry. We have two really big service berries that were just blooming or, or blooming fruiting, I guess. Mulberry tree and then just like tons of different like flowers out front that are just mostly perennial, mostly native, different stuff. Sounds like um, the bees are like on vacation, happy retreat all the time, probably in your yard. (laughs) Yeah, we think so. (laughs) This year, actually, we set, uh, we have a, my mom had gotten me, gifted me like a swarm trap. And pretty much every year I set it, but I'm always kind of trying different stuff or trying different places like around town or in the neighborhood to see where I can like catch bees. But this year... We had the newest addition to our family is River, who is uh, just two months old. So we were mostly here and close to home and trying all the things and definitely not doing the amount of beekeeping as we usually do or wanting to do. But it was what kept us here. So we we uh, set our swarm trap just on top of our rain barrel. And we had we had two 500-gallon rain barrel uh, tanks that are kind of catch the water from the roof that we're able to then like use in the garden. And if we ever needed, we would be able to like filter it out and use it as like water for all kinds of other uses. So it's really great for us to like, it's a great resource for us to have as our house. Very smart. Yes. And so I just set the swarm trap on top of one of the tanks and was like, oh, we'll just see what happens. Like probably nothing. And I was, you know, whatever. But then we were able to catch like a really healthy, big, beautiful swarm of bees. And I was actually sitting at this table while I watched uh, like feeding uh, river while I was able to watch like this like huge pile of bees like move into the swarm trap here yeah it's so fun fascinating i've never heard of the term swarm trap i haven't either Did you know that John? i've seen some swarms before out in the i don't want to say wild but <laughs> out in like the urban settings you know like a park or a, mm. i saw one on a, a flag once randomly oh yeah uh-huh yeah yeah basically it was like the like people have taken the like information and the research that has been done on like bees and like why they swarm to or like what conditions they like to swarm to and they swarm to the to you know however much size like facing south they really like lemongrass essential oil it was like all these particularities (laughs) and so the swarm trap is like of that particular size that they like to swarm to with an opening the size that they like and we had some like frames of just uh, like comb already in there, but like just not like nothing in it, just like empty comb sitting in there. And yeah, I came. It was amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned a ton of flora. You're starting to talk about the fauna. What else do you have? Yeah. So in addition to the bees, we have like just like a small flock of 
a few chickens for us, for eggs, for our family. But we're we're neighbors with New Roots Urban Farm, and they've got some great uh, chickens and roosters and ducks and other things, so bunnies. You might, so you, you might have been hearing some of some of those. <laughs> Probably all natural sound effects provided yeah, by loves. your neighbors. <laughs> love it. And this is just, and also this space is just home to all kinds of birds. Yeah, lots of several robins nests we saw and i'm not sure yet if we can claim like a cardinals card a mated pair of cardinals we have seen around here but we're not sure if they're actually here or we haven't been able to figure out where they are living yeah it's beautiful here actually how many hives do you have because i noticed that there's another hive to my right and i know upon entrance there was a at least one or two 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 hives yeah we have three three Uh uh-huh Three, usually we have a lot more than that, but having a baby has, has you know, sure. just shifted some things. And then we have the swarm, which is at a site like near our, it's at a, uh, the backyard of some friends of ours. We moved over there just to not confuse the bees because sometimes if you, we didn't want to keep the hive actually on top of the rain barrel because it's quite high and hard to work a hive that's not on the ground. So we moved it over there for just temporarily and then we'll move it back here soon. Nice. Yeah, but each uh, beehive has about 30,000 bees, like is an average healthy beehive. So that's a lot Whoa. of bees. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it's so many bees and they just kind of come and go all day. And yeah, it's there. There's a lot, a lot of work for them to do around here. And it's something like it takes like, uh, oh man, I can't remember the, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but something it takes like 3,000 bees to make like one teaspoon of honey. It's something really crazy like that. So you need a lot of bee or in their life, you know. So, yeah. And the average life cycle of a bee, like at this time of year, is just about six weeks. So they're just kind of one bee does a whole lot. Got to gotta give thanks to the bees. Yeah. They work hard for their little lifetimes. <laughs> so beyond the, the farmer's market where people can pick up your, your microgreens, greens, your soaps. And honey. And honey, yes. Also I've noticed that... Your sprouts are available at local grocery stores. How many stores are, are you in right now? Or would you like to name them? Or would you like, yeah. Yeah, so I sell to Local Harvest and City Greens. And then I'm also selling at the Fresh Time store in the City Foundry location and to Fields Foods, and they have a couple different locations. And then the, the last sort of kind of retail store is a place in Clayton called Olive Ovation. And it's like, they sell like, olive oils and balsamic vinaigrettes and different things in a small selection of produce. Awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, a number of restaurants use your, <laughs> use your yes. microgreens as well. It's a good partnership to be with a chef and to have such a high quality product. Yeah. I mean, I'd be mind blown if I was served some of those popcorn sprouts with, yeah. with my uh, course. And just visually, yeah. you know, a little heap of Tiny micro plants is pretty fun to look at. Yes. And it's colorful and it brings texture, it's flavor. A, yeah, it's amazing how much flavor are in those little little shoots. Yeah, like a, a <laughs> common question that people always ask me at market. They'll like come by, look at my booth and be like, what do I do with these? What are these? You know, because it's just kind of an interesting thing to see. Yeah. And I'm always like, I don't know, this probably isn't like the best answer, but just put them on everything. Yeah. Like, you know, really it can be whatever it is you're cooking. Like I always say like salads, wraps, sandwiches, tacos, toast, like whatever, your eggs, like 
all that, but like it really could be. I think they pair great with your hummus. That's just me. Like a little bit of hummus and microgreens on top, either like in a salad or just on a piece of bread or whatever. I used to sell to a lot more restaurants. Like I think when I first started, I was like, oh, yeah, like once like I wanted to expand beyond market, I was like, oh, I'll go to restaurants. And I did do that, but it was a little harder for me to break into the restaurant scene because I didn't have tons of like uh, connection with people working in restaurants. So I eventually I, I made some good connections for sure. But then when COVID and everything happened and like the restaurants shut down, I really shifted towards trying to sell to like grocery stores. And actually, I think I really like selling to grocery stores a lot because it's like really it's easy to build good connection with people there. And then beyond market, like if I, you know, I'm not at market, people are able to go or if people can't come to market actually is like the other thing. Like um, if I can't come to market, then or if people can't make it at market, then they can always go shop at that sure. store. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great option. Yeah, great outlet. Yeah. And the microgreens definitely are better, like, consume fresh. So they just taste better and you get more nutrients by eating a fresh microgreen. So I deliver every Wednesday to grocery stores and we harvest that morning and then, like, deliver that afternoon. Um, So they're, like, fresh on the shelves at the stores every week and then, like, at market on Saturdays, they're freshly harvested and it's a good place to get them. So if you can, head to the... Market, no, not market, a uh, grocery store on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah for or a Thursday morning. Thursday I don't morning. know if they all get on the shelf on Wednesday, sure, depending sure. on what time we get there. But yeah, for sure. Do you have a website, Mary? Yeah. We, it's just a simple website that probably needs updating. <laughs> but it's just besimplecityfarm.com. You Wonderful. can find us there. And you can always find us on our Instagram. Thank you for that info. Yeah. And then farmers market wise, here in St. Louis, are you... You're at Tower Grove Farmer's Market for sure on Saturdays, we know. And are you at any other farmer's markets that we should know about? No, I had done other farmer's markets in the past, but I think kind of I'm always trying to strike a balance of, you know, what works well for my life and not. And so we really just stuck with the Saturdays at Tower Grove. And this year you'll get to see our like wonderful, trusty, amazing employee is going to be working a lot more of the markets for us because we're kind of trying to strike a balance between the family work sure yeah personal life all those all those things for sure i like when we so once our business kind of shifted away from uh, from bees not that we still don't do bees but it's not really the focus of what we do certainly like mostly what we sell and the bread and butter of our business is growing microgreens uh, we were like oh it's funny that we're called Be Simple or like it doesn't seem quite as true to like oh. what what it is, the work that we're doing, you know. And we've been like, oh, should we change it? And James is always like, oh, we should call it like Sun and Soil. That's the name that he really loves. And he's like, like to rebrand them, you know, mm-hmm. the microgreens because we grow them with Sun and Soil. And it kind of just like tells you what we are with the name of the business. But I'm like, no, I always just want to keep the name Be Simple because I feel like it like grounds me. And like once you like start a business and it can go in this direction, or you could do this or, oh, you could do this or let's try this or like maybe, you know, whatever. Like, I think I just like keep coming back to that where I'm just like, now, nah, Mary, just got to be simple. Like just in like a funny way, just like I got to be simple. Like just to. It's a just philosophy. To, just yeah. to, exactly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't have to be trying to do all these like <laughs> crazy things. Like no. what we do is like, you know, and we do it well and it's like enough and like we don't yeah. have to like add to it. But yeah, it's been helpful for me too and just to like kind of like try to be consistent with like having a good life to keep me balanced so I can like show up well in the other areas of my life and not be too overwhelmed because farming is a lot of work and it's really like all-encompassing like uh work 
yeah, it's it is hard to leave town because the microgreens do have to be watered multiple times a day and checked on and different things like that. So it has been hard to to leave, but that's also been a good thing, keeping me like grounded and centered and here. Like your motto, be simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing and thanks for having us out today. Really, really appreciate it. Yes, we appreciate your hospitality. Great. And sharing your beautiful yard with us and your experiences. Yeah, thanks for coming. We look forward to seeing you <laughs> at Tower Grove and, and also enjoying your, uh, your, your microgreens and throughout and, St. Louis. And, and yeah. Products throughout, yeah, yep. throughout St. Louis. Yeah. Thank you so much to Mary and James of Be Simple City Farm for having us out to visit. We've really enjoyed our time with you. Just so you know, you can find their products at Tower Grove Farmers Market every Saturday this summer or at local stores such as City Greens Market, Local Harvest, Fresh Time at the Foundry, and Fields Foods. You can also visit the website, besimplecityfarm.com. And also the social uh, tag is at B underscore simple. That's B-E-E. That's the buzzword, folks. Yes. And this is Tingle Taproot, a production of Milk and Hummus. I'm John. I'm Kristen. I'm Angel. And if you like what you heard, please like, share, review us. Again, thanks so much for listening. And uh, feel free to send your thoughts over to tangledtaproot at milkandhummus.com. We're going to answer your questions and share feedback. Until next time.